welcome back to Slow Beer, Dave. What a cold day it is. <laughs> it is a cold day out there. <laughs> uh, you just had a Goza as well, which is probably not the best beer for a cold day. Yeah, I mean, who cares? Uh, How down do I sound at the moment? Cold day, right? who cares? What beer you drink? Ooh, do whatever you want. Thing. Uh, and now we're doing a sour black IPA from Eight Wide. I don't like it. You don't like it? Only because it's me. Yeah, just okay. give me all or nothing. I don't want like I keep trying the sour ones, like the sour IPAs from Eight Wide, and it's just not to my taste. Just yeah. give me an IPA or one of your delicious <laughs> barrel sours. Well, it's yeah. like sour versus IPA. Like they're not meant to work together. No. And, yeah, uh, and this is a bit nothing. Like it's nice, but if I got it, I would be like, yeah. yeah. I am like, yeah. Hello, Tiff. Hi. Welcome back Welcome to the podcast. Back, yeah. Thank you. I was thinking today, was Tiff our first ever guest? I reckon you might be right. Yeah. I think I was actually. Three years ago. And discussing the launch of this place, if I'm not too much mistaken. Oh, yeah. We yeah. were uh, sitting in the same room. Yeah. No, no, we were in the studio for that one. Yeah, we were, that's right. Oh, yeah. Yeah, when, when we had when a nicer had a studio. studio. <laughs> you had a bar, we had a studio. Mm. Life was different. But we're chatting to you for a different reason. We actually had to go through PR to get this conversation. Very official. A lot of red tape. When they bureaucracy, said, you know how it is. When they said, that much red tape. When they said, be your ambassador, Tiffany Waldron will be joining you. I was like, oh, cool. I know Tiff. I'll just email her. <laughs> I'll just message her on Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so Goose Island, be your ambassador. Yes. Is that your official title? Just be your ambassador. Okay. So for all? All beer collective slash high-end co-beers. So the whole global high-end co deal what's on that basically anything craft or premium so at the moment it sits with things like who garden and stella Artois and leffa 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 depends on who you ask i, I know like i should, should get know. that right yeah. <laughs> i know the problem is there's so many amazing belgians in our office that you have to say it like properly properly and then i take it back to australians and i'm like Left. It's it's like going up to a when you go up to a bar and there's Nurgana or Van Staffen on, mm. and you go, God damn it, I'm gonna say it and they're not gonna know what I'm talking about. I did it to some guy who speaks German the other day, and I said Gosa, and he was like Gas, and I was like, No, can't do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I like I accept that. It's like the whole. Uh, I understand that people from England, it's their native language. It's called English, but it's not yogurt. It's not. <laughs> It's, it's not what? It's yogurt. not yogurt. Oh, no. Yeah. What do you say in America? You say yogurt? Yogurt. Yo- yogurt. yogurt. Yeah. And there's no H in it. Yeah. I think there's an H in it. Oh, right. So in America, there's no, no H in it. There's no H. That's yogurt. almost crazier than yogurt to me. I love taking letters out. It makes everything way easier to spell. Now, if I'm thinking about the high end, what I know of high end with AB and Bev, that includes in the US, uh, your Wicked Weeds. Does that... Does in fact. Does that mean those brands will eventually transition to high end globally or is that undecided or can you not talk about that? I mean, they do sit in the high end now, but who knows what I, like the reality is we have Goose Island here in Australia, but Goose Island is a far more mature brewery than Wicked Weed is. Like Goose Island was already around for 20 years and acquired before Wicked Weed even started making beer. So, But also I totally imagine the, 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 the volume is a lot higher for Goose Island well, I mean, to be it, available it globally, right? It wasn't before it got acquired. Right. So basically it's just, ha- I mean, we're probably a ways off from the amazingness of Wicked Weed, which, I mean, don't get me wrong, the day of 
we found out I was wearing my Wicked Weed shirt at work. Like, <laughs> I got in front of the whole business with my Wicked Weed shirt on, and the president was like, where'd you get that shirt? And I was like, I had it ready and waiting. It's probably probably getting far ahead of ourselves as well. Let's talk yeah. about uh, <laughs> Goose Island launching in Australia. What are we, two months in now? May, so three. Three months in. Uh, started with the Midway Four. IPA, which is kind of, I, I've seen that used in Europe as well for um, some launches kind of used as a, almost a spearhead. So Midway Session IPA is available in Australia, Mexico, and the UK. It's not a new beer. It was a brew pub beer, so something that they made in the brew pub. And then when they were deciding what beers to sort of go global with, it just made sense like from a taste perspective that it would work well in Mexico, the UK, and Australia than when it launched here. But actually gone so well and it actually tastes so good that they probably will be making it in the u.s now so it will hit the u.s market you know in the coming months or whatever and that's brewed cascade yep so at cascade in tasmania so the idea is and it always has been that if in another country wants goose island beers you will make it there obviously knowing that their flagship beers are hoppy and we know that beer is best when fresh it's not going to do well on a boat. The brewers in Tasmania worked really closely with brewers in Chicago, and it took five tries to get the IPA right. Like, there was a lot of beer dumped along the way. Because I imagine that brewery, it operates on huge volumes. I guess pilot breweries aren't possible, are they? Or I guess... In ta- at Cascade? Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, we have, uh, we have the potential to do smaller batches, but the idea is we need to be able to make it in that brewery. Scaling up is a challenge, I imagine. Yeah, Yeah. it's the same with any brewery, really. Anywhere, when you brew a beer on a different system, it's not going to come out the same way every time, I guess. One of the things that being a bigger business means that we can afford to not release a beer. If Mm. it's not right, it's not going to get released. Is it the same recipe in Mexico and UK that it is here? Yep, Uh, same recipe, tastes the same. Uh, The only difference is we use local ingredients, so... Obviously, the hop profile may change slightly based on hop availability, but the flavor profile should stay. Um, and then the IPA has sort of followed that. I'm seeing that on tap a few places around. Uh, I had it in Sydney a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. Oh, yeah. How was it tasting? Pretty good. Hmm. That's kind of an Englishy one, right? It is. So I guess that's one of the things that we found is, well, and I, and I kind of knew this coming into it, that that IPA has been around for 25 years. So... It's a recipe that's been around for 25 years and IPAs 25 years ago weren't like smash you in the face with West Coast hops. Like well, it's they meant- went sour and black. Like this yeah. one. <laughs> I mean, don't get me wrong because I love a smash you in the face <laughs> with hops IPA. This particular one is, well, maltier. It's- but it's also like it's an American English IPA. Yeah, though. it's a, like I it's think- still a, it's- well, yeah, so there is a it's noticeably different from a traditional English IPA. There is a Absolutely. consumer yeah. expectation now. Oh, um, for sure. Which is interesting that that's been so quickly that that consumer expectation is now quite different. Yeah. I mean, I've had brewers come up and been like, that's not an IPA. I'm like, actually, that's exactly what an IPA is supposed to taste like. If you go by like style guidelines, that's exactly what an American IPA should taste like. It still has what a, a boring touch of- conversation too. That's not, that's not an IPA. <laughs> the worst is when it's like brewers, like somebody who should know better. I'm like, if I went up to your range of beers and picked apart your style, but I would never do that. Also, like, what are you going to do about it? Yeah. Like, but also, you, you, you don't have that kind of pull in the company. But yet. you know what the funny thing is? They started thinking that I'm just like some girl standing behind the stand. And then I start arguing with them about yeast strains. And then they kind of, oh, maybe. And how yeah. many times is that conversation interesting? 
the first time maybe and then it's over. Yeah, I would say <laughs> max once. And it really does depend on the drunken level of the person on the yeah, I'm sure the conversation. Because yeah. I find myself always more sober, far, far more sober. <laughs> so how far into Australia is Goose Island? Like what's the, you know, we can get it in Melbourne and Sydney. Yep. Uh, what's kind of, where does it sit now and what does it look like, say, in two it's, years' time? It's uh, currently can get Midway and IPA in every state and every capital city, uh, except for Northern Territory. It's not quite there yet. It's a bit far still from Taz. You know, we haven't even launched off-premise yet, so, like, not even in, you can't even really walk into a bottle shop, although I think we'll be able to get it here soon because we chatted with Chris already about that. Um, here is in slow beer. Yeah, here is in slow beer, like in the building we're in right now. Um but, yeah. When you're approaching places, like what's their level of knowledge on Goose Island and I guess what the brand is and what it's trying to do? A bit of a bit from all over. I think we'll f- think you find that there's a lot of people who spent time overseas that have seen it before. So a lot of, you know, British bartenders or American bartenders who are like, oh, I know Goose Island from home. Um, and then here, you know, obviously it's still new. It's still a new brewery to be launched here and it's still... The classic American IPA has never really been around here very much either. So, whereas like the session IPA, people understand that style already. Can you give me an example of someone not understanding it? Occasionally, someone will say, "Oh, but it's so light. It's not an IPA. It's just," and I'm like, "It's not bitter." I'm like, "Well, it's meant to be light-bodied and really full of aroma hops and not bitter and sessionable. Hence the style." There's obviously a lot of stigma around CUB, AB and Bev, craft beer whole thing Mm. how have you found that the reaction when you're trying to sell beer to people that's a good question I guess like personally it's been really easy to talk around because being part of AB InBev really changes the entire business and I wasn't there before it was part of AB InBev but I can tell you for sure that it has changed a lot Um, it's definitely not just a blokey sort of I don't know. You get the idea that that's what it was in the past. And we all know being in beer for a while, it was like that. And there's still some people, but the reality is like the beer is good. And that's what it comes down to when you actually taste it, the beer is good. So we've talked about the two core beers. There's probably one beer that most listeners or listeners that follow beer trends will be wondering about. How much can you tell us about Bourbon County? I can tell you that it gets released in November every year. Okay. Okay. Released. Uh, tells it is delicious. <laughs> <laughs> no, I can tell you it is delicious, and it gets released uh, on Black Friday. So yep. So the I last guess, Friday in November every year. So I guess there might. I, there I think might, a lot of people. That's the only knowledge of Goose Island they know about. Yeah, and it was for me for a, a long time. So um, yeah, I think because yeah. I obviously people ask that a lot. I'm like, it doesn't get released. Like you can't just go to the store and buy it in the US now. Why would you expect to be able to buy it here, I suppose? Um, so you're saying no? I'm saying it gets released on Black Friday every November. I'm so proud of that answer you had in the, in the, <laughs> in the chamber ready to go. <laughs> no, that's good. I, w- I won't keep pushing. What about other specialties? Because there is, other than than Bourbon County, there's um, Sophie, which you've mm. you had at Gab's and I think other events, um, Lolita, beers like that, which Sophie's great. Yeah. I really like that beer, like. Um, I, I yeah. know that a lot of people really like Sophie and I know we're really... So for our listeners, what is that beer? Sophie is a Saison, but it's partially barrel aged. So they essentially take some beer and put it in neutral oak wine barrels with orange zest. 
it spends some time aging and then it gets blended back in with fresh saison. So it has like a really nice mix of like zesty saison spiciness with like vanilla oak finish. Mm. So it's a really good balance that I think that isn't necessarily something we see a lot of in Australia right now. Yeah, one of the things I don't like about Australian saisons is it's just a pale beer with saison yeast and like that's so boring when the style can be, you know, I, the, the sort of blended with some, some orange zest to give it more depth. Mm. Um, and that's why, yeah, I loved it for that reason. It is a very tasty beer. Uh, so what's availability going to be like for those kind of beers? My hope is that we'll have more widely available, so something that you could actually go into it somewhere and buy some. Um, and I know I know that's what they're working on right now. As for the rest... They'll still be brewed in the US though? Yeah, so, so we can only be brewed in Chicago has to be aged in their barrel warehouse. There's no other way around that. As for the other specialty beers, they barely make enough. <laughs> Get enough for Chicago at this point. So we'll always have some for special events and we'll have things like migration week. So like in November, we'll have guests from Chicago and we'll do like a whole week of special events. We'll have special beers for that. Um, when was that one? November. Okay. So it'll be the first week in November in Sydney, the second week in November in Melbourne. And yeah. There's some fun stuff coming for that too, for sure. You know, we've got Sydney Beer Week coming up. We'll have sour beer and cheese, Stinking Bishop. What's Stinking Bishops? I've never been So uh, it's literally just a bar slash restaurant slash cafe that just cheese. So much cheese. Now you mentioned the Barrel Warehouse. You Part of your training, you're over in Chicago. Yep. Can you tell us about that? Uh, I spent two weeks over there and part of it was like more formal, you know, learning about the company. And then it would basically spend a day with each sort of area of the business. So I did spend a whole day just in the barrel warehouse. I pretty much got there, rocked up, barrel warehouse brewer as brewers are. I was kind of like, what do you want to do? And I was like, I don't know. What can I do? (laughs) And he was like, go help the guys. So I went out and we were making Helia, which is the peach sour. And we were essentially just filling barrels with fruit and bread and then filling them with beer and popping the top on and did that for a whole day, which was amazing. That's cool. Yeah. Nice. yeah. yeah. When does that beer get so bottled? That beer would essentially be getting released soonish. So there autumn. So you'll get a bottle of the beer that you helped make? I sure hope so. <laughs> <laughs> hope they're bringing um, me one. How big is the the barrel program? Because it's, it's huge, right? Yeah. You, you numbers got nu- vary, obviously, pretty frequently. I'm thinking somewhere around like 15,000 barrels in a warehouse. So half of it is not temperature controlled at all, and that's just full of bourbon barrels. And it's all different ages, and they get all blended back together. So we like you can go in and they'll let you taste like fresh imperial style, one month, three months, six months, nine months, 12 months. Only really have a good depth of flavor when they're mixed back together, much like wine. Mm. And then the sour side is temperature controlled. So they've got fooders and all different kinds of wild yeast. So obviously it makes sense. Well, I think when we had Michael on the show, Michael Kaiser, was when the infection yep. was first kind of publicly acknowledged um, and... Now they're pasteurizing they, the, the bourbon counties? Uh, so as a result of that, they've changed. There was a lot of things at play there. So like one thing was like there were a lot of interns sort of running around. Like it's a big space. Yeah, yeah. it's not just one guy and a head brewer barrel. Well, and it, but it's, the, <laughs> the actual reality is there's not that many people working there with a lot, a lot of barrels. Um, and now a brewer tastes every single barrel before blending. Wow. That's a lot of beer. 
So we had Bill Savage, the lead brow warehouse brewer out for Good Beer Week this year. And he was just like, those were like the worst. It was like the worst month of his life. Just because there's only so much beer you can taste before you just get drunk every day. <laughs> I think it might have been Bill that did a, um, a podcast with Michael. Yeah to sort of yeah. address that. And it was pretty fascinating listening. So I'd probably mm. recommend anyone. Yeah. And I think it was uh, Jared, Jared Jankowski, the head brewers. He did that one. It yeah. Was, it yeah. was uh, a lot of information. And so since then processes, processes have changed heavily. Like pasteurization, I'm slowly becoming a fan of the more I learn about. Pasteurization yeah. on an Imperial Stout isn't going to change the beer yeah. much at all. Most breweries flash pasteurize, which is like 10 seconds in the heat. Um, yeah. To kill off anything that would make you sick. I'm pretty sure, and I can't remember if we've mentioned on the show, but Epic pasteurized their beers. Yeah, they do. All those IPAs. Yeah, Hop Zombie, which is when you get a fresh one of those, it's insanely good. Even when it's pasteurized. Mm. Pasteurized, filtered. Yeah, that's one clear motherfucking beer. Yeah. yeah. And um, I haven't seen anyone complaining much about Epic being pasteurized. While you're, at, while you're in Chicago, I mean, you, you obviously go back to the States quite a bit, but this was kind of there for beer. What did you notice about the Chicago beer scene? Because it's kind of a big scene, isn't it? How big is Chicago? Bigger, bigger than Melbourne. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So the funny one thing time is, we got right? a, Sorry, one time we got population size wrong and we got a nasty email. Oh, uh, I'm not going to so guess. I'm going to look that up. All right. So I'll tell the story while you look it up. Yep. So one of the things is because it was the first brewery in Chicago post-prohibition is that pretty much all everyone who brews in the Midwest kind of started at Goose Island. So you'll find a lot of breweries in Chicago where the brewers started at Goose Island. But it also makes a really good camaraderie and community in Chicago because everybody can place their roots back to Goose Island at some point. So It's like a parent. Yeah. Mm. yeah. You I can't mean, hate your parents. It's Mountain Goat is probably similar. You can yeah. draw a family tree of Mountain Goat to almost any yeah. brewery in, in Melbourne. Yep, absolutely. And... I don't think that's a bad thing. I think mm. there's a lot to, that can be learned from working for a brewery that's been around for a while or that's bigger and knows has, how to pasteurize properly. <laughs> has that, I mean, it's probably hard for you to say, but do you think that changed perception of Goose Island within Chicago now in terms of the, the sale and, and the ownership? Yeah, I mean, I think there's obviously still going to be a few grumpy people about it, but I think that it was six years ago. Nobody really talks about it anymore and – um, Has anything happened, sorry, in the last six years to support the naysayers of selling the brand? Or has it only been sort of an overall positive thing? To support the naysayers? Yeah. I mean... Like are the guys that hated the sale, are they like, in the last six years I haven't been able to get XYZ or anything like that? No, because the one thing that they'd be able to do is get more stuff. They were almost at a point where all they were making was the 312 Wheat Ale the Hunger's Ale and the IPA, and they just didn't have the capacity to make much else. So out of that, you know, they're making 300 plus specialty beers in the brew pub and tap room every year. And it definitely, they wouldn't be able to otherwise. I have seen people commenting that some beers have changed in terms of flavor or whatever. But it has it though, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's always hard to tell. And like, you know, little creatures get that here. Um, with, you know, oh, pale's not what it used to be. And it's like, well, it's, it probably isn't because it's an agricultural product and brew houses change all the time. Yeah, still good beer. Do, you, do you remember what the beer scene was like six years ago as yeah, well? Yeah, yeah. Do you remember what your, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Do you remember what we used to drink six years yeah. ago? But, do you remember but, all those delicious caramelly IPAs <laughs> we had? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, but as you said, like at the start, like, you know, things do change as a result. Like, it's, you can't deny that things don't change, but like, you know, 
they're not changing to cater to you and whatever you liked in that beer. Like it might be for the better, it might be for the worse, but like things change. Yeah, people say the same thing about Mountain Goat beers. Exactly, and they say the same, like exactly it the same. I mean, we've already drawn that similarity. Like we know that the Mountain Goat beers are literally made in the exact same brewery by the exact same people and the exact same machinery that they were being made before they were acquired. And it doesn't, it, it's just a mental thing, I think. And I think a lot of times they're like, Maybe it has changed. Maybe it's fresher now. Maybe it's, you know. I think I'm almost like more excited about the Mountain Goat like single releases since they sold than I ever have been. Oh, I've got a bit of a hot tip. I was Ooh. chatting to someone that makes homebrew equipment and we're talking about their uni tanks, like sort of, um, what's it, I think Kikig, they do these sort of single fermentation for homebrewers. They look really cool. It's like a conical PET tank, which you can carbonate in and then get the yeast out this isn't an isn't an ad by the way but they look really good well i mean i hope not because you weren't sure about the, the brand name, yeah yeah so, yeah they look great but then he said oh we i think we sold it to mountain goat and then he said because they were getting their floor redone and because they they a lot of their single stuff that goes on at the brewery is literally done in homebrew fermentation tanks and he said he went to the the brewery and they had one of theirs and they had a whole bunch of other homebrew setups because they were getting their floor redone so they couldn't brew on that kit for a while so like everything going into the taps was all random homebrew experiments they'd try. Fun. I was like, that makes me want to go visit definitely. But I think that's what you'll find with these breweries because I don't think it will be the last time a brewery is acquired in Australia. And I think what you'll find is maybe they don't need to spend all of their time making steam ale anymore, spending more time on single releases. And that's not a bad thing. Did anything when you're in Chicago surprise you about the business? Well, I would. So, I mean, I was literally in my second week in a new job completely like I'd just taken my Cicerone exam. I got on a plane. I went to Chicago. Did you pass your Cicerone? I did. Congratulations. Thanks. Um, and I walked in and I didn't really know what to expect. I hadn't done enough research on like what is it actually like there. And it was all the beautiful chaos of any craft brewery you'd walk into. <laughs> and I was like, ah, yep, these are my people. <laughs> and it was amazing. Like it was, you know, it is real people making real beer and it's not a big corporate Soulless is very different from that, which is was amazing. You know, like they're like they've got taps inside the brew house next to where they're brewing. So they're just like, oh, help yourself, go drink something. Great. What about I guess working back in Australia for the brand? Does anything surprise you about how people receive it, or or how it's selling, or how it's not selling? I don't think anything's been surprising. I expected plenty of negative feedback. Um, but I think that the other thing is like I've been working in beer in Australia for a few years now and I wouldn't be doing it if I didn't believe in what they were doing. And I think, you know, being part of a big worldwide company, but also that we can see they're doing good things with craft beer, whether you agree or disagree with that is up, you know, your own personal opinion. But mm. I think they're doing good things to craft with craft beer. And I think that the exciting thing is like just new in Australia. Like we're only a few months in. So I think that we're going to see a lot more support for craft beer as, you know, as time goes on. Are you getting sick of justifying that side? You know, people saying you're now working for ABN Bev after your, your history in the beer scene? Uh, no, I'm totally, I'm totally fine with it because I wouldn't be doing it if I didn't believe in it. That's a hundred percent for certain. Good answer. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> How many sort of, um, uh, mainstream venues do you see uh, the brand working with that you wouldn't have with other brands? I think 
with the mainstream CUB venues, I think the funny thing is, is they all really want Goose Island. Like there's something to be said for, they really want it. They really want their staff to be trained on it. So. So do you think it's a case of like those venues like the security of their contracts, but now that there's an availability to have something more interesting and fun and new and exciting that they just want to put it on? Yeah. But I think it's, there's more than just wanting to put it on. Like there's, you have to understand how to treat an IPA and how it's different and you know why you can't serve it to everybody because they want us to you know like obviously tasting it is important I mean the whole contract issue that's a whole other podcast we could do but (laughs) have we talked about contracts on the show I feel like we could like put a show towards that I think yeah let's bookmark that we've talked about that too many times Let's 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 bookmark the idea. Yeah, 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 I like that. I've got I've got strong opinions on this. They may shock you. Anyway, I bet I don't. Yeah. You know what? I will say one thing. In the last five months working for CUB, I think that maybe I just didn't understand as much about tap contracts, but it makes a lot more sense to me now. And maybe that just sounds like I'm a huge sellout, but like I get it now. Okay, I'm gonna go into my 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 take. I don't know. Oh, if I, if I was gonna open up a pub and I just wanted to open up a pub. I'd go into contracts. It makes sense. Um, But also there are many craft breweries in Australia who say, and quite a few of them say publicly, contracts are the worst thing for the industry. But then you hear their reps walk in and they say, oh, we'll sell you 10 kegs if we keep that tap. And then if we get to do that, we'll give you an extra two kegs on top. And if you do that again, we'll you know. some sort of package arrangement. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. And it's like, yeah, cool. That's a, Literally the same thing on a, just a smaller scale because you can't afford to do it on a bigger scale. So, But I think you're finding some of the bigger craft breweries are literally going in and buying systems for people. It's exactly the same. Yeah. It's not. There are, but I think there are people that are vocal about tap contracts that yes. are doing that. Yes. And because that, I th- there might be some that are keeping them out of something. Yeah. Yeah. And I, th- I, th- I think that's bullshit. You know, it's, it's business. I think as a pub owner, you're not walking into that not knowing what you're getting. I mean, and, and as a customer, I don't love it. You know, I don't love that I there are venues that might want to put on a local beer that can't. Um, but as a business owner, if you've got something that you can do economically to yeah. keep a revenue stream going, you'd be a fool to ignore it. Like so many of these, so many people in business, not many people are in business to not make money. So have at it. A lot of craft brewers are, but that's fine. <laughs> well, no, I think they'd like to make money, but they're not. <laughs> I think we That's all know nobody's yeah. making money in beer. So where is the brand uh, going in Australia over the next couple of years? What do you, what do you what can you tell us and where would you like to go see it go? I think that we're like I think if you look at something like IPA, it's a growing style. In America, IPA is the biggest style of craft beer. In Australia, it's growing like nineteen percent per year. And if you take out pale ales, mm. you know, pale ale brands, so you take out James Squire, and you take out Fat Yak. IPA is the biggest beer style. Having a, an IPA that's consistently available and, you know, tastes the same every time, I think that, you know, you'll start finding it in more bars, and I think IPA is going to start going, and the whole idea is we want Goose Island to be synonymous with IPA. And I think more people will start drinking IPAs as well. Mm. Um, I think, like, Fixation is probably a good example of that. Absolutely. They're popping up on taps everywhere. Yeah. I think we've said on the show a few times, if I want a, a good beer and I see fixation on tap, it's just like, great, that's exactly what I feel There's like. There's a feeling of assurance there, isn't there? Yeah. Yeah, and fixation is a great IPA. Mm. And granted, we see a lot of fixation in Melbourne especially for obvious reasons. 
Um, but the good thing is Goose IPA is actually so different. They can sit next to each other and it's not in a bad way at all because mm. don't taste the same. What does the day-to-day look like for a craft beer ambassador for AB and Bev? All kinds of fun stuff. Yeah. <laughs> so I spend time training our internal staff. So like whether sales teams or marketing teams or, you know, the consumer marketing director of Asia Pacific. I spend time doing a lot of beer training with customers. So like going into bigger pub groups, training all of them about beer, planning events like the one we're going to tonight or oh yeah, I guess beer dinners. Full disclosure, we are going to a free event as an invite. So hashtag invite. Interested in coming? Too late. It already happened. <laughs> <laughs> Otherwise but you could have just emailed me and asked me to come. If anyone's questioning our morals, full disclosure, free, free event after. And keep questioning it because it's yeah, worth yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. We're dodgy. <laughs> Sorry, yeah, question these Please guys. Please continue. Yeah, is a lot of like education sort of stuff. Lots of education stuff. Um, I'm nosy. I poke my nose around a lot. Look, I like. It to does know- not sound like you. I know, not at all. <laughs> Walk in. I like to know what the marketing team's doing. I like to know what, like the sensory team's doing. I walk around a lot and learn stuff and then figure out how I can help change things. Like if I question something, everyone knows, <laughs> which is not a bad thing at all. They encourage disruption. Yeah, it's disruption for a good cause, right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Beer, beer disruption. In a good way. I think you're trying for a headline. And I was going for a portmanteau yeah. and it didn't work. I just said the two words. <laughs> <laughs> I feel um, like this is the end of the conversation. Yeah, should we yeah. wrap it up? Tiff, thanks so much for coming along. Um, thanks for having me. It's good to see you enjoying your new job. Uh, How does everyone uh, keep in guys. touch with uh, everything Goose Island slash AB InBev? Can I say something in this? I went to the Facebook and I realised that if you go to Goose Island, Facebook is a thing now. It's regional, so it's still Goose Island URL, but it will take you to the Australian page. Yeah. All if right. you're in Australia, it yeah. defaults to Australia. The only way to see the US one is actually change your address. And it has like the same amount of likes as the US one. So I, I went on to the Australian one thinking it was the Australian one, and it had like 200,000 likes. You're like, what? This is going to take like, over? No, this yeah. is sus. I'm going to get these guys. Yeah, you had your whole, you whole next story all pre-written. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, it's actually, so the social media channels are are like still completely owned by like two guys in Chicago. Yeah, right. Two guys, they sit in the office, Ryan and Mike, they, uh, everything has to go through them. Like it's, that's what I mean. Like it's real people. That Ryan and Mike, two guys in an office in Chicago, like, Sounds like bullshit know. to me. <laughs> yeah. They're, they're real people. I uh, had beers with them. It sounds like a they're fake people. A fake campaign, like meet Ryan and Mike. Yeah. <laughs> Not saying we don't trust you. Only because you've known me for <laughs> quite a while. In fact, like the first beer event I ever went to, I met Dave at. So. What was that? Beer writers thing at the Oh, the Guild. House. Yeah, right. That, that been t- was at the Beer Writers Guild. Yeah. We've been talking about revamping that. Pretty sure I'm still time. an admin on the Facebook page. Yeah. Oh, I don't know the Facebook page. I don't oh. even think I'm a member of the Facebook page. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, so oh, yeah, check out Facebook. Anything else I need to check out? Just on Facebook at the moment. Yeah. Thanks a lot for your no time. Worries. Thanks. Thanks um, we'll look forward to seeing any releases in Black Friday. We look forward to Black, Black Friday. Friday. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I just didn't what, say that. I just no, we're saying we're looking forward to seeing the release happen. Yeah. Overseas. Yes. Exactly. Um, and, you know, maybe a bottle will turn up. We, maybe uh, we look forward one. to the first day of every month. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And listen, I have some in my own cellar, so. There you go. We'll look forward to visiting We're you. We're getting closer with each, with each <laughs> sentence, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All righty. Thanks so much, Seth. All right.